Welcome back to the Heal Your Hormones podcast. We are officially in April, which is my birthday month. I'm an Aries. I don't really know what that says about me, but I'm sure someone listening could tell me. I wanted to do something special on the podcast this month, and I know you all loved the cycle syncing episode I did last year. That episode was by far the most listened to of 2022. I think it was actually like 300 times more listened to than any other episode. So thank you. This month, we are going to be diving deeper into cycle syncing, and we'll be covering each phase of the menstrual cycle week by week. We'll be discussing what is actually going on in your body during each phase, how you can expect to feel in your body, what's normal and what's not, and just small habits you can start to incorporate during each phase to support your hormones and feel your best. Now, before we dive into today's episode, I have a few updates. The PCOS pregnancy protocol is now permanently open for enrollment. This is my six-week program that walks you through the same framework I use with my one-on-one clients to help you heal the root cause of your PCOS so you can have regular periods and get pregnant naturally, whether you are currently trying to conceive or you just want to be proactive about your fertility. So this includes self-paced modules, including videos and action items assigned each week so you really understand what to prioritize to start healing your PCOS. You'll also get one-on-one chat support with me throughout the program and PCOS-friendly recipes. I even provide you a list of labs to ask your doctor for, and then you have the opportunity to submit your results to me for feedback. So essentially, I look at your results through a different lens than your primary care or your OB. So even if you have been told that all your labs are normal, trust me when I say your doctor is not reading them the way I will in terms of considering Where do we want your results to be for getting pregnant with PCOS? So the link to join is in my bio, or you can schedule a discovery call if you'd like to learn more. Maybe you have some questions and need help determining if this is the right fit for you. So second update is I am doing a giveaway this month on the podcast. So I asked you on Instagram if you'd rather win a one-on-one consult with me or a swag bag with all my favorite products like WellBell, which you know I love for hair health, my favorite matcha, some clean beauty products. And it was somewhat split more towards the one-on-one call with me, but I'm going to give whoever wins the option as to what they'd like their prize to be. I think this makes the most sense because a lot of my current clients chose swag bag because duh, you're already working one-on-one with me. So to be entered, you need to do two things. The first is leave a review for the podcast wherever you listen to this podcast. So on Spotify, on Apple Podcasts, wherever you listen to it, leave a review. It can be nice. It can be not nice. Any feedback is welcome, but your reviews really help the podcast be seen by other women when they're searching for hormone help. Number two, I'm going to ask you to share an episode of the podcast on Instagram and tag me at Dr. Danielle period ND. And my Instagram will be linked in the show notes if you need to find it. Now for every week you post on Instagram, that will be an additional submission to the giveaway. So essentially there are four weeks in April. So four opportunities to be entered to win. And it doesn't matter which episode you share. It can be a throwback episode or it can be the episode from that week. Just make sure you tag me so that way I can see it. Now, a last update. And then I promise we will get to the episode. 
I wanted to create a gift for you all just for being here and joining me each week. So I've put together my hormone balancing smoothie recipe, which you can download for free using the link in the show notes. Now, if you've worked with me, you may already be familiar with this, but this really includes so many nourishing foods that help support your hormones and blood sugar. I usually recommend making this for breakfast. You can also make it for lunch or have it as a snack, split it up throughout the day. If you're somebody who typically skips breakfast, maybe you're not very hungry in the morning, this would be a great thing to make. And then you can sip on this throughout the morning rather than feeling like you have to sit down and have a whole meal right then. So this is the recipe I have every day. I mean, almost every day. It includes good protein, fat, and fiber to help you feel better both blood sugar wise and hormone wise. And really the difference that my patients report with this is improved energy, less brain fog, less sugar cravings. So give it a try and let me know what you think. All right. Housekeeping is done. Let's get to this week's episode. So to start us off, as we deep dive into cycle syncing, we are going to start with the menstrual phase. If we think of the four phases of the menstrual cycle, the menstrual phase is what we would consider to be winter, a time to rest and reflect inward. So when does the menstrual phase take place? Because it's going to be kind of confusing, right? There's the menstrual cycle and the menstrual phase. So when is the menstrual phase? This phase is going to start on the first day of your period and last until the last day of bleeding. So essentially it is your period. Now, if you spot before you start your period, so maybe you spot, you know, one or two days and then your period really comes, don't count the spotting as your period. Don't count the spotting as your menstrual phase. Really, the first day of your period is the first true day of your period. And day one of your period equals cycle day one. So those two things are the same. First day of your period, cycle day one. And this can be helpful to know, you know, when you get hormone testing done, if your doctor recommends testing your hormones on a certain day during your cycle, which they should. Side note, big red flag if your doctor is having you test all your hormones on some random day and isn't asking you to time it with your cycle. But it's important to know cycle day one, first day of your period. Now, normally you can expect to get your period every 21 to 35 days, meaning there are 21 to 35 days if you start counting day one of your period until day one of your next period. And we'll talk about, you know, what, what does it mean if you're falling outside of that, that range? So during the menstrual phase, estrogen and progesterone levels are low. They actually drop right before our period. And this drop is going to be what triggers the lining of the uterus to break down and shed. And this leads to bleeding, also known as our period. Estrogen is the hormone that helps our lining build and grow before we get our period. So why is this important? If estrogen levels are high, you may experience heavy periods or long periods. And this is because, you know, if estrogen is the hormone that's stimulating the tissue, lining our uterus to grow, if we have too much estrogen, we're going to have too much growth of that tissue, we're going to have more tissue to break down and bleed. And then the opposite is true. So if estrogen levels are low, you may experience lighter periods or shorter periods. 
And you may be thinking, that sounds amazing. I'm going to sign up for the light period option. But especially when it comes to our fertility, we don't want to be on either end of the spectrum. We do want to be right in the middle. And estrogen is also important so for so many other factors outside of fertility, right? So we need estrogen for bone health, estrogen, you know, and it's low, we tend to store more fat. We can see hair loss. We can have fatigue. So we don't want to be swinging on either end of the spectrum. So what is happening if we don't get our period? And there's a few things I'm going to touch on some of the most common reasons, probably the most common, you know, especially with PCOS is that we didn't ovulate. So we'll discuss this more during the ovulation phase in two weeks, but essentially we start making progesterone after we ovulate. And remember progesterone dropping is what triggers our period. So if we don't ovulate and we don't make progesterone and that drop in progesterone never happens, then our period doesn't come on time. Also related to progesterone, Maybe your period comes, but it comes too soon. So this means you have less than 21 days in between periods, right? Maybe you're going 18 days, 19 days. This could mean that yes, you ovulated, but your progesterone dropped too quickly, which can be a potential issue for pregnancy. It can cause miscarriage during the first trimester. So if you're somebody who historically has had shorter cycles and you're trying to get pregnant, then considering your progesterone levels is going to be really important. Another reason for not getting your period is called hypothalamic amenorrhea, also known as HA. This is essentially when we don't eat enough or we overexercise, maybe combination of both. Typically it's a combination of both. So our body stops ovulating and we don't get our period. Essentially our body recognizes, Hey, we're not getting enough nutrients. We don't have enough calories. We are barely sustaining this life. We do not have enough to then give it to a baby. So it shuts off ovulation kind of as like a protective mechanism. This is something that I actually experienced for over two years when I was a dancer. I have also worked with women who thought they had PCOS, but it actually turned out to be HA. And they were kind of making it worse because they thought they had PCOS they thought that they had to like exercise, you know, a lot and eliminate these food groups to try to heal their cycle. But meanwhile, that actually was just making the HA worse. All right. So let's kind of talk about what is considered normal bleeding when you do get your period. So ideally you should be bleeding for three to seven days. Typical average is about five days. Now, if you are bleeding for a shorter period of time, so less than three days, it could mean potentially low estrogen. And on the opposite side, if you're bleeding for more than seven days, it could potentially mean high estrogen. Not always. There's of course different causes for both of those, but in general, that's a good thing to look into. Now it can be hard to quantify bleeding, especially depending on what period products you use. You know, if you're using period underwear, it's going to be almost impossible to quantify, but in general, if you have to change a tampon or a pad more than every two hours because you're soaking through it, that is considered abnormally heavy bleeding. And I always ask my patients that because, you know, what they consider heavy might not be truly heavy, or maybe they used to have light periods because they had low estrogen and now their estrogen has come up. So they're bleeding more heavy. And now they're thinking, oh, this is abnormal. This isn't, this wasn't what I experienced in the past. And it's like, well, actually this is better. 
Now blood should be bright red to dark red. And if it's brown, that typically indicates old blood. And sometimes we'll see this if you go long periods of time without getting your period. Now, during our period, we also make something called prostaglandins. And these are hormone-like substances that help our uterus contract. So essentially, they help to contract the uterus and get that tissue out. Now, the problem with prostaglandins is if we are really inflamed and we make too many, they can also cause our intestines to contract. And this can lead to loose stools or diarrhea during our period. It can also cause pelvic pain. These prostaglandins can actually enter our bloodstream and cause headaches, nausea, and vomiting. So if you are someone who struggles with a lot of these period symptoms, then reducing inflammation and supporting your immune system can help to control prostaglandin levels and you will feel better as a result. So in general, is it normal to have low energy during your period? Yes, because our hormones are low as well. But is it normal to be completely exhausted, to feel like you are laid out in bed, to feel like you have to call it a work, maybe you're missing school? No, that is not normal. It may be common. You may be thinking, well, my sister experiences that, or my friends, you know, are always missing work because of their period. Common is different than normal. So yes, it is common. No, it is not normal. It is also not normal to have painful periods. Even if you've had painful periods your whole life, I promise you it is not just luck of the draw for you. It is possible for you to have pain-free periods. You just need the right support. Same thing with mood swings. You shouldn't feel like your period comes and you turn into a different person or potentially your relationships are, you know, being affected every time you have a period. You know, I always hear from people saying, oh yeah, my partner always writes in their phone when I get my periods, they know to like kind of stay away or they know not to take anything I say seriously. And again, yes, that is common, but it is not normal. And it is possible to have a period that comes easily, comes and goes, and it doesn't completely disrupt your life. So now I want to get into the good stuff, really how to sync your life, including the foods you eat, how you move your body, how social you are, your work life, how to sync that with your cycle to reflect what's happening in your hormones so that you can have easier periods and better hormone balance and also just feel more in tune and connected to your body and not feel like you're fighting yourself during certain times of your cycle. So first and foremost is going to be diet. I always say, you know, you cannot out supplement a crappy diet. So food is the foundation of our health. Now there are so many foods that can fit into this category, but I really wanted to touch on like my top three so that I don't overwhelm you. And, you know, you can kind of put these and we jot them down in the notes section on your phone and look back at it. And then as you go through your cycle each month, be like, okay, maybe I'm going to focus on, you know, this one food that she mentioned for my period, work that into your diet. And then maybe focus on a new food the following month. So the first group of foods we'll say are going to be iron rich foods. Now it's important to eat foods high in iron to replenish the iron being lost when we bleed. And this is going to be especially true if you have heavy or long periods, you know, if you're losing more blood. Now we know that iron in meat sources like beef is more easily absorbed compared to iron in plant-based foods. Like we know that vegetarians and vegans you know, historically tend to have lower levels of iron, tend to be more anemic than those people who eat animal-based foods. 
Now I know not everyone loves red meat. I personally am not a fan of the texture. I'm really, really, really trying. Like I really want to be on the red meat train so badly because I do think that I would feel so good eating it. My iron is always low. I supplement, I, you know, get as many other iron sources as possible, but that texture just, I cannot get behind it. Um, so if that's the case for you, it's okay. You don't have to have a steak, you know, once a week, other iron rich foods are going to include foods like oysters, spinach, ground Turkey, beans, even molasses is a good source of iron. And I love making a pumpkin smoothie and putting molasses in it. I also always, always, always add spinach to my smoothies. It's really such an easy way to get in some leafy greens in the morning. You can't taste it. Fresh spinach, do not do frozen. I have had patients do that. I can't imagine how disgusting that was. Always do fresh spinach, but it's just an easy way to support your iron levels, getting in more fiber, getting in some good minerals. You know, like I said, I know my iron levels always tend to run low. So I always am thinking of how can I add more iron to my diet? Fun fact, Iron is needed for good thyroid hormone production. So if you struggle with low thyroid function, make sure your iron is being tested. So we've got iron rich foods for our period, also bone broth. So bone broth helps to not only replenish the fluid that's lost when we bleed, but it also is rich in amino acids and minerals like magnesium, which can help the diarrhea or the loose stools, the cramping and the headaches during your period. So my favorite brand is Kettle and Fire. They have a ginger lemongrass flavor that is amazing. When I drink bone broth, I'm usually having it in the morning. So for me, having like a savory or spicy bone broth first thing in the morning just does not sound appetizing, but the ginger lemongrass is a really nice balance. Now, last on the list is going to be salmon. Salmon is high in omega-3 fatty acids, which help to reduce inflammation in the body. So if you tend to struggle with cramps or heavy bleeding, reducing inflammation is going to be key for easier periods. Omega-3s also help to improve mood. So if you struggle with mood swings or mood shifts during your period, that can be helpful. And then we want to start preparing. So after our period, we're going to be starting to make those hormones again, and we need omega-3 fatty acids to help make hormones. That's coming from the salmon as well. So along with iron-rich foods, bone broth, and salmon, we can also start to incorporate seed cycling during the menstrual phase. So if you are unfamiliar with seed cycling, you've never heard that term before, go back and listen to last week's episode where I interviewed the CEO and founder of Funkit Wellness. We dive into what seed cycling is, how to do it, and why it helps support hormones during the menstrual cycle. So during the menstrual phase, the seeds that we are using are flax seeds and pumpkin seeds. Now, typically you have one tablespoon of flax seeds, one tablespoon of pumpkin seeds, but if your typical diet doesn't have a lot of fiber in it, adding that much flax seeds at once could cause you to actually become a little bit constipated for a little bit. So I typically recommend adding in half a tablespoon for one to two weeks and then increasing to a tablespoon after that just so you allow your digestive tract to kind of adjust to it over time. Now, I always get asked about supplements. I'm not going to dive too deep into supplements in this episode or really any of the episodes this month because I really feel it's so individual. And I see women all the time, you know, hearing this supplement, that supplement on 
Google and they go to Amazon, they get these really horrible brands and they're not taking the right dose and it's just a waste of their money. And supplements can also interact with medication. They can interact with other conditions you might have. So for example, if you have blood pressure issues, sometimes licorice isn't a good um, option for you. So I'm not going to dive into supplements, but I do want to share two teas that can be beneficial to drink during your period. So the first is nettle tea. Nettles is an herb that you may have heard of before. It actually helps to lower testosterone levels in women with PCOS and drinking one to two cups a day while on your period can be a nice way to support your body during this time because it also is rich in iron and calcium, which is going to not only, you know, replenish the iron that we're losing through bleeding, but help with period cramps as well. So nettles is really great. The second tea, which is definitely tastier than the nettles is red raspberry tea. So this really helps to strengthen and tonify the uterus leading to less cramping and better flow. So I would say if you want to alternate between those two, the nettle tea, it doesn't taste bad. It just doesn't, doesn't taste, doesn't taste anything like anything in particular. Sometimes I'll add some like non-dairy creamer to it to give some flavor it's one of those teas where I'm like, okay, I'm drinking it for the benefits. I'm not really drinking it because I enjoy it. But I think that's with, you know, a lot of things like tinctures and whatnot. I just have an iron stomach for it at this point. Now I mentioned earlier that the menstrual phase is really equivalent to winter, meaning it's time to rest because our hormones are low and we're bleeding energy levels tend to be low during this time. So really our activity should reflect this. So I know cycle syncing exercise has really gotten popular over the past year, which I love because I really think it is so important and can make a huge difference in your overall performance. And, you know, this time during the menstrual phase, when it comes to exercise, this is either the time to pause altogether and just allow your body to rest if that's what it needs or opt for something gentle like stretching, you know, short walks, low intensity yoga or Pilates, trying to force your body into exercising in a way that it doesn't have the energy to do is going to lead to higher cortisol levels. So we're essentially going to go into fight or flight mode. Your body's going to be like, okay, we need to push through. We need to get this done. And that higher cortisol is going to lead to more inflammation and worse period symptoms next time around. So ideally try to stick to exercise. Maybe that's like 20 minutes or less, you know, that typically tends to do better with people or at least lower impact exercise. You, know, you also definitely want to avoid heated yoga or heated Pilates because you are losing fluid through bleeding through your period. So you don't want to lose excess fluid, you know, when you sweat and potentially become dehydrated. Many of my patients have actually found their athletic performance improves overall when they allow their body this time to rest. And I know that can be a hard thing to wrap our minds around. Um, but again, you don't have to stop moving completely, just doing something a little more gentle for anyone, um, who doesn't know. I also co-own a Pilates studio in Atlanta. Um, so if you are listening from the studio, um, I also think this is a great time maybe to do a lower intensity class that, you know, maybe on a typical day, you're like, I could definitely do the higher intensity. You know, I like the more challenging exercises. That's all great. But this is also a good time to kind of go back to the basics, you know, and maybe really work on your form, move a little slower, 
oftentimes the slower movements are more challenging. So kind of using the menstrual phase as that time to rest, reflect, um, and just move your body in a different way. So this is also a good time to say no to plans. Don't feel bad for staying in on a Friday or Saturday night, or maybe canceling plans last minute if you don't feel up to it. So my friends know I am the queen of canceling plans and like not in a way where it's like you're on the way to dinner and I'm canceling, but overall it's really my love language. Like when someone canceled plans on me, especially on a Friday night, it it's like, it's amazing. I don't know what it is about making plans on a Friday night. It sounds like such a good idea on Tuesday and then Friday rolls around and I'm like, why did I do this? But you know, overall, just kind of tuning in with your body, not feeling that social pressure to go out and be active and stay out late. If you're tired, like allow yourself to rest. And now I know we don't always have control over work meetings or events, but if you do have the ability to schedule big presentations or projects or meetings or interviews at a time that isn't during your period, you know, around this time, you likely will have less motivation, less creativity, maybe less focus. So just keeping that in mind. And again, I know that's a reach. I know many people do not have that luxury, but I think it's worth mentioning. So really above all, be gentle with yourself, you know, meaning don't emotionally beat yourself up if you aren't as productive or ambitious during this time as maybe you were two weeks prior. I really believe when we start understanding our cycle and understanding why we feel the way we do, it can eliminate so much internal stress and pressure that we put on ourselves to achieve and to perform. Okay. That wraps up the menstrual phase. So this week on Friday chats, we will be discussing how to perfect the PCOS breakfast. So I know I mentioned that the hormone balancing smoothie recipe is available for you all, but I get it. Smoothies are not for everyone. So if smoothies aren't your thing, but you're still ready to learn how to eat a good breakfast and really start your day off on the right foot to support your PCOS and support your hormones, make sure you tune in for that episode. For those of you who are new here, or maybe you just haven't tuned in for a Friday Chats episode yet, these are short five to 10 minute episodes that cover a quick topic. So I want them to feel like it's Friday morning, we're grabbing a cup of coffee, it's a quick chat in and out, but still providing helpful information to maybe get the wheels turning on what you need to be doing to feel your best. All right. Well, thank you so much for listening. Don't forget to leave a review, share, and tag on Instagram to be entered to win the giveaway. I'll be choosing the winner at the end of the month, and I will see you all on Friday.